Welcome to the Cultivating Success Podcast. Jeff Sofer and Jonathan Wolfson are brothers and business partners of the top landscaping company, Nature's Experts. Nature's Experts is home to six companies that cater to all your outdoor needs. To learn more about Jeff and Jonathan, simply visit us at www.naturesexperts.com. On the podcast, Jeff and Jonathan bring together other business owners and entrepreneurs to share with you how they developed a prosperous company and how you can too. You will gain insights and meaningful advice on creating the building blocks to success and longevity in the entrepreneurial realm. And now, here are your hosts, Jeff Sofer and Jonathan Wolfson. Connie, thank you for joining us today on the Cultivating Success podcast. Uh, excited to have you here for a multitude of reasons, one of them being the successful attorney's office that you have, but also to talk about some interesting things that are going on here in South Florida as it relates to uh, e-verifying and obviously growing your business and things that can help people in this day and age grow their business uh, and the importance of obviously connecting with an attorney like yourself to help grow their business as well. Because as I'm certain you know, the larger your business, the more that you know certain things seem to find you, whether you like it or not. And uh, you need to obviously make sure you have a good partner on your side to guide you and support you so you really don't get too overwhelmed by some of these different tasks and situations. So thank you for joining us today. Oh, definitely. My pleasure. My pleasure. So my first question to you is, do you like what you do? I absolutely love what I do. I fell into this. Okay, so you fell into it. So first I want to know why you love what you do. Then I want you to tell us how you fell into it. And I only want I only want the why you love what you do to be two sentences. And I'll, that's for a reason. All right. So, well, it's a combination of things. There is one sentence. Okay, that's one. Here's the, what's the other sentence? Uh, I'm an immigrant and... Um, I fell into this because I am an immigrant. I want to make sure that every immigrant that I meet doesn't have to go through the same process, painful process that I have been through. So that is my mission. So you really turned a situation that made a real impression on you into Mm -hmm. something that you can actually make money off of in the country that you were trying to become a citizen of. Correct. That's amazing. That's like super cool. So Connie, when did you come here actually? 1991. And did you have a background at that time? You look very young, by the way, so I don't want to age you. Oh, thank you. It's all the Zoom filters. We like those. Yeah. Yeah. It's the lighting here, by the way. Yeah. yeah. His hair isn't that gray. Yeah. It's more silver. Yeah. (laughs) So when you came here, did you already have some background in law or did you have just an interest in it or did you literally go through the whole process? Just knowing that you wanted you you visited here once and you're like, I want to live in America. And then no, I had an engineering background as, as a matter of fact. And I came here and it was such an arduous process and it took forever, forever and ever. And like every other immigrant out there, I thought it's just, oh, I'm just going to fill out just some forms and it's just going to be some forms. I'll fill them out and eventually it's going to get to me. And yeah, 10 years later, I was still waiting. What did it turn out to be if it wasn't just filling out forms? It, I ended up in deportation proceedings. I didn't know what I didn't know. Uh, I had no money to hire a lawyer or so I told myself those are very, very, um, 
expensive mistakes. It costs you more at the end because yeah. you just don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And the biggest turn in my case was when I eventually hired an attorney, an immigration attorney to help me with my case. And that's when things started actually to move in my case. And I saw the value of having a professional help me. And that's when it became my mission to make sure that nobody else suffers for 10 years like I did. What did it cost you in money? Back then, it was the equivalent of about seven months worth of my income. Okay. And so do immigration attorneys work with their clientele with the, I mean, when you are a good, legitimate immigration attorney, do you work really with the human beings that are trying to become citizens. The reason I'm asking that is because not you know, people, most people that come over here, you think they don't have a lot of money. So they get a job mm-hmm. and then whatever job they get, however they get it, they're not making tons of money because they're an immigrant and people usually take advantage of that. Who's an employer, I would think, when you hear stories about that. And if they want to become a citizen, how can they just go to any immigration attorney if they don't have a lot of money to put up? And what would that money be? How does that work for them? Oh, you just talked about like 10 misconceptions in that one sentence. Yep. But let's talk about some of those. First is that first is that the immigrants don't have money. Second is that immigrants who come here come illegally or that's not the case in most cases. Most immigrants oh. come here with visas and overstay. Oh, okay. And most there are plenty who come here very highly educated and have savings and those who come illegally they already have paid a lot of money for the coyotes to get them to the border so they already had the money spelled you know spent on that they can certainly afford an immigration attorney uh if they can afford i think the person that's coming here that's educated which is which is the majority of them Mm -hmm. they're obviously they have enough money that they're coming to america for a few months Mm-hmm. And they may or may not get a job when they're here, but they're coming here for the experience. Well, he says and a few months. Can't... Are the visas, how long are the visas? And is there a standard length of time for the visas or they're all different? There are visas that last a day and there are visas that last decades. There oh, are 186 okay. different visa types. Oh, oh, wow. I didn't know that. Did you know that? I knew that the, uh, I do know that you have a certain window of opportunity in which when you come here in your visa, that you have to apply if you want to be a citizen. You can't apply directly for citizenship anyway. You have to apply for permanent residency first, have that for a few years before you apply for citizenship. So walk through the process a little bit with us. For a highly educated person like yourself when you were here, what was uh, the process for you exactly? Or what is the process now? It depends. Every person is different. In my entire career, I have not yet met two individuals whose cases are alike. Mm. Um, that they don't make it where it's at least something where there's at least case law, usually with attorneys, there's circumstance in which you would choose situation one, two, three, four, five, 500, you know, uh, let me give you a good example of that. And whenever I explain this, it blows people's minds, to be honest, is I had a couple of brothers from Guatemala. Think about it. Twins. Same age, same circumstance. They arrived in the country the same way. They crossed the border the same way. They arrived the same way, same process to the same way they came to the United States. And then when they were here, they were sponsored by two relatives, one of them in Chicago, one of them in Miami. So 
I happened to handle the case in Miami because the one was in Miami. The other one um, was had its own his own attorney in Chicago. One was approved, one was denied. The attorneys were working together. The identical case, identical brief, identical everything. What was difference in the the difference in the case? First name. No, the circuit. It just depended on which officer's desk the case landed. Immigration is discretionary. There is no right to an immigration benefit. And that officer didn't feel like granting that day. And the other one felt like granting that day. So that's the way the immigration works, unfortunately. So you can dot all the I's and cross all your T's. And that's as close to identical cases I have ever come across. Wow. And that were did not reach the same intended result. Boy, that doesn't show how the yeah. system really can't be counted on. I Cannot. Mean, it's someone's mood. Yeah. And I hear from prospective clients all the time. But people think there's immigrant, like I'm under the impression there's immigration laws. Mm -hmm. The laws like apply to if they meet this criteria, then they become a citizen. But you're saying that's not the case by talking about that. But like any other law is law is subject to interpretation. Interpretation. Right. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. And, you know, when you go to a criminal case or a business case or anything else, the judge may interpret the law and the attorneys get to argue right on each side of the case, how it works in immigration, you are not entitled to somebody to argue on your behalf, unless you are actually in front of an immigration judge. And in that case, you're not even arguing in front of an immigration judge that's an actual judge elected. It's somebody who's appointed by whoever, depends on who's the president who appointed that judge, right? And it's not an actual immigration judge, it's an actual hearing officer. So yeah, there are so many things that are wrong, but. Wow, well, let's take a step aside here and let's go back a little bit. Yes. And I think that it's really fascinating the fact that you came here with an engineering degree, you put a lot of time, effort, energy uh, into that, and you decided to come to America mm-hmm. and um, not knowing if you could stay here even, but yeah. knowing that you wanted to come here. Yeah. And at what point did you want to start going on and taking on law and getting a law degree? Was it before or after your citizenship? And can we talk about that a little? Yeah, so my process took 16 years. My process to become a U.S. citizen was 16 years. And there is a cost associated with opportunity lost. And that is if I could tell that and if I could drill that into every single client that I meet or every single potential client that I meet, I would obviously have more clients, but I cannot always translate that to every client and they don't understand necessarily every single time that there is a difference in price. There is a difference in a fee you pay an attorney and the opportunity lost the cost that it's associated with how much you would actually lose by not having the green card or citizenship or the work permit that you would get a year sooner, two years sooner, 10 years sooner. Right. But why do you think you can't sell that information? Meaning, I don't mean for money. I mean, why do you think you can't sell that idea for that to resonate with people to say, listen, the sooner you get the green card, the more money you make. So this is how much money less you'll lose by doing this sooner. Because some people are ready to hear it and some people are not ready to hear it. Okay. Some people are ready to hear that 
a business person would be more ready to hear that an educated person, you know, with an advanced degree might or might not be ready to hear it. And some people just cannot see past the bread on the table the next day. Uh, Some people have different priorities. You know, some people, their first priority is how do I bring my three kids from my country rather than how do I, you know, get my career ahead, you know, so, and that's okay. You know, people's priorities are people's priorities. That's okay. You consider yourself an entrepreneur or do you consider yourself a lawyer or both? I don't think you can be one without being the other because you can only be, if you are just a lawyer, then you are employed by someone else. Mm If you have your own law firm, like I do, you have to be both. Otherwise, you're just buying yourself a job. But most people, uh, I think, think that lawyers are not good business people. They think that lawyers... And I agree with that. They think that... Let let me finish. I'd like to hear uh, why. But they think that lawyers are not entrepreneurs. They think that they're lawyers, you know, they fit into that box, which Mm -hmm. means that they understand their craft and their segment of the law and maybe some other, and to to some degree, some other segments of the law, but that's it. So how can you consider yourself an entrepreneur when you agree with that and a lawyer? There is a difference in agreeing it or how there is a difference in the practice of law and the business of law. Okay. The practice of law, in my opinion, is... Practicing, buying yourself a job for the sake of not working for someone else and for the sake of just practicing law, for the sake of practicing law, okay? And for the sake of loving your craft and the freedom that it gives you in having your own schedule. Mm -hmm. My mission as an entrepreneur is to build a firm in which my goal is to be as successful as I can, not necessarily for the profit, but for what the profit allows me to do for the majority of the people. How many more people can I help by being more profitable? Because if I can spread my message and if I can help more people by being more profitable, then that's my goal. If I can only, if I have a practice of law where I'm helping 10 people, yeah, that's great. But if I can make more money and when I make more money, I can do I can do more scholarships. I can grant do more scholarships for people or I can provide more pro bono services by doing more clinics for people who want naturalization, who cannot otherwise afford my services or I can provide services to violence against women's act you know people who are qualifying under certain services who may not otherwise do it then that to me is being able to give back and do more entrepreneurship you know if you're not profitable you can't do those things so how are you an entrepreneur you're a lawyer yeah you're an entrepreneur and you're a Mm -hmm. do-gooder you have to be well, I don't think you have to be. I think you have to be because that's how I you have to be. That's how I sleep at night like that. There you go. Mm-hmm. So my question is, is that the more money that you make, then you decide at a certain amount of money that you do some things pro bono. Is that right? right? Yes. Okay, so, so how do you in your head say, okay, so I've made enough money with this. So I'm going to do that. Is it just mm-hmm. what you feel that way? Or do you have an actual goal? Oh, no, we have goals. 
We have goals. Uh, it depends on where the revenue is, not just the revenue. We have different margins internally. Uh, we either provide a scholarship for a certain member of the team, or we help members. First, our employees are our greatest resource. Okay. So we always try to help someone in the team and their family member. Everybody on our firm is an immigrant as well. So if we can help them or a family member from so there. So when you say help them, if they're already, but they're already citizens, are they not? Yeah, they could have family so members who are you, not. So how do you help them if they don't need your services of uh, getting immigration and getting to be an American citizen status? Yeah. How do you help them? What types of things do you do for them on your team? Just because they work for me doesn't mean they're citizens. They could be uh, permanent residents. They, they could have work permits. They could okay. be on work visas. It doesn't matter. So they the could have family you... members who are who need services. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So you'll approach one of them, or you already know of a situation with one of them, and you decide that that particular person is the one that you are going to do something for. They earn it. Your services. They earn it. They earn it. And how mm-hmm. do they earn it? Just by showing up every day and doing their work. Well, they have to meet certain KPIs. And KPI means? Key performance indicators. Okay. Like, for example, what KPIs do they need to meet? Uh, The last KPI, for example, uh, was um, number of cases filed in in a certain quarter without rejections or without denials. And how is it there? Uh, How is it up to them to not get rejections? Like I thought that it's not up to them, it's up to the caseworker or that particular magistrate to say whether they're in a good mood or bad mood, whether the person... No, that doesn't count. We are looking at technical errors. Oh, okay. So in other words, you're saying... Within their control. Cases that they file, the ones that you have to tell them to correct, if they don't have to do anything like that, and if everything is, let's call it, for lack of a better word, perfect, then that that means something to you because it's what you have to do. Yes. Very interesting. We could apply that at our business, I think. Well, I I think that any smart entrepreneur does, it is wanting to make sure that you reward people that are doing a good job. You first ultimately need to take care of your own people. And the people obviously that do the best by you are the ones that make the least mistakes. Like you physically can see the value that they bring to the table every single day. And as far as your mission is concerned, it really revolves around with helping people. So obviously helping more people equals more dollars, but the more people you help, the more people you can employ, the more people you can employ, the more people you can help and the more money that you can make. And then obviously from that point, there becomes discretionary income and ways that you can figure out to best utilize the money. But you know, the best way to utilize the money obviously is definitely by being philanthropic and just choosing at certain points to be able to help. But I think in your particular situation, the more people you can help immigrant to immigrant, you're doing the best thing you can do by them because you are somebody who is gone through the worst process in the worst possible way. And you have the best tools to help them figure out how to navigate this process. That's probably not much better than the one that you went through. Uh, to give them the best success for them. But she has 
a service that she can offer, which is money and there is value in it, of course, but she doesn't actually have to reach in and grab actual, like write a check, so to speak, to give to someone. She's looking to reward them by the service that she provides to her clients. She will do it for her team. We provide that service to our team. We have to, to our team, they want to be rewarded with a check. It's all money though, because if she no, has to spend if she has to spend three hours I of said her that time, it is different. It's the same thing though. I don't think it's the same thing. Well, a couple of comments there. Uh, there are also a couple of other things. It's not always in terms of services. We do offer, for example, scholarships. So that's an actual check that we write. So okay. we offer some scholarships to others, but we surveyed our employees. I think it was two years ago that we did it last time on how they prefer to be rewarded. And you would be surprised, actually 60% of employees did not prefer to be rewarded with cash. Really? Yes. So I would actually encourage actually all business owners out there to do- How do they want to be rewarded? How do they want- Some of them want time off. Some of them, believe it or not, they just want the change in title. Okay, some of them want recognition. Some of them want just a different way of communicating with the employer. I mean, you would be surprised how many of them do not value the cash as much as you would think. To me, it came as a shock because I always thought, let's just throw cash at the problem or let's just reward it with cash or let's just- That's all you can do with the problem is throw money at it. When you don't have a problem person, you don't have to throw money at it. You can you can just do the right thing. And if someone is doing a good job and doing what they should do, what would anyone want if they were doing that? Well, you know, as an employer, what fair compensation is and above average compensation. is. The thing is, if you're always doing the right thing, then you don't have to worry about that. And there's really other things. Obviously, you know, if you have a paralegal, paralegals make between X and Y. Right. If you're an okay one, you make X. If you're a really great one, you make Y. You know, the, the proof is ultimately, for your case, in the numbers in which you transact and the errors that you do it. So if somebody does the most and they have the least amount of errors, their money shouldn't actually have to correlate that way for them to make more money. That should be obvious because they're generating more revenue for the company. And the reward that's going to keep them to stay there has to be unique and different and personal to keep them to stay. Yeah, we do monthly surveys of our entire team, um, including the contractors, sometimes, not all the time. And um, sometimes it's on management style, sometimes is in what benefits they want, sometimes is in what, depending on the topic for the month. And sometimes it does help, for example, towards the end of the year, a couple of months ahead, we look to see, do we need to change the benefit packet? Do we need to, for example, this year, we would be looking into, do we need to change the flexible spending or do we need to tack on something else, right? Every year it's something different. So we look at that on a monthly basis. Some years we had, uh, a few years back during the pandemic, we had a little bit of a turnover problem. And it turned out that it was due to an issue that I didn't know. It was a software issue. They were just very frustrated with one of the apps we were using. And none of them ever brought it up to me. I had no idea. (laughs) It was something simple. It's necessary to survey everybody every month. 
Well, it's, it does, it's not necessary, but it was six questions that they needed to answer. And it's every month. It comes from my payroll company. I don't even set up the questions. And it was just something super ridiculous. And I think that's, that's a, that, I'll tell you something, that little detail, because I was just thinking, I would never send something from John or I uh, asking them those questions, because I, I just think you're setting yourself up for them wanting the stuff right away and feeling like you're not just asking them questions, but what of these things are they getting? So I think doing it from a payroll company, I think that's a key to the whole thing. That's very smart. Yeah, it's my payroll company does it. I use Gusto and it comes directly from them. They know on the sixth of the month, they are getting a survey every month. They have four days to respond. Some do, some don't. Uh, I encourage them to respond and they know it's anonymous. I only get the, the tally. I don't know who responded what. They can put, um, they can add comments if they want. And sometimes they do, you know, sometimes they you don't. You always want to want to hear what they have to say. I always want to hear what they want to say. No, but I'm, I'm sorry, I phrased that wrong. You don't necessarily like or expect to hear what they have to say. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Well, very, very, very interesting. Yeah, very and I think that your particular model and how you're working on it, you know, it is it is easy, I think, for you, particularly in your situation, to actually, I think, really be able to get people that are advocates of what you're wanting to do because it's very passionate and it's very people driven. And um, the thing is, you're getting a fair wage for doing fair work. You know, this isn't uh, a normal attorney route where you feel like you're being uh, taken advantage of and you have no control and you're You're going against somebody. This is something where you have done it firsthand. I think the fact that you're hiring immigrants is unbelievable. I think that it's unbelievable that all the information is coming from the source of someone who went through the process. So there is no extra baggage of this seems like it's taking too long. I'm being taken advantage of. I'm just a number, this, that, and the other. It really correlates, I think, with with directly helping the people to that need the help from someone who's been through the process themselves. And I think that you know your ability and your emotions of going through the process have made you much more of a real human to the whole process and not just an attorney who's somebody who from when they were a young kid, I want to be an attorney. And when I'm 18, I start studying to be an attorney and I know a book like the back of my hand. What city are you in? Fort Lauderdale. You're in Fort Lauderdale. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I'll tell you, I wish there was something that we could do would be like, you know, that there were people that you could identify as far as people that would be good potential employees for companies like ours. Do you know a lot about our company or would you like me to expound upon it? Please do. So my brother and I uh, have six companies. If you go to naturesexperts.com, you can see all the companies. And there are three landscape companies, a tree company, a pest control company, another company that does interior plant maintenance fresh flowers, which is like what's behind you. And we also do uh, artificials, which may be what's behind you or uh, any of that stuff, green walls, et cetera. So we really do everything botanical. And you can imagine that there are people that apply that don't have a green card. There's people that want to work. And I'm certain that some of those people, we, we don't, we hire people that are legal. Sure. But it doesn't mean that there aren't people that are very talented and very hardworking that just don't have a green card. So I wish that we were able to know of who those people were and there was someone who could identify those people um, and vet them, so to speak, 
and then say, hey, listen, this is really could be a potentially good employee for someone that you might need for one of your companies. And, you know, for these fees, maybe we could figure out a way where, you know, we could work something out and that perter- that person could come to our company, work here, and, you know, everything would be legal. And then, of course, a whole uh, situation would be worked out with them with you um, for them to well, be I think, employed. I think a, a broader way of thinking for her could be, I think what you said is a really great point, but maybe, um, you know, people who are immigrants, I think are somewhat that I've experienced. There is a group of them that are timid looking for jobs. And uh, maybe it would be a good idea for you to have a portfolio of companies to refer people to that would receive and be happy to train, teach and participate and and help people, whether it's uh, we are particularly in the landscaping field. It could be in the professional field like yourself. It could be um, somebody who's doing clerical work. It could be housekeeping. It could be uh, warehouse work. It could be anything. How many but maybe of- that would be a really good thing also to offer your um, people that you're helping. It's a, a path of, if you haven't found a job, it's very important that you find a job. These are some people that you can particularly, that I know that have done good by people that particularly could help you find a job or refer you to a How job. How many of these clinics do you put on a year? The clinics? Uh huh. And like group discussion? About two to three. Two to three. And how many people are there? I'm sorry? How many people attend? Uh, 30 to 50 each. Yeah. I mean, maybe you'd like to do something like that. You can talk and then you could have an employer such as us, either myself or my brother, both of us could come and speak. And maybe then it could also give people, like you're saying, it's hard to drive home certain messages. You know, if they see the face, of a company and someone can come and say, listen, if you do what she's saying and you have a company to go to like ours, these are the different things that we offer. These are the different things that we hire for. And if you're someone that displays certain characteristics and you have some experience, you know, whatever it is, you can come and work for a company like ours. And we'd participate in something like that if you think that would be fruitful for us. Mm -hmm. What we see in general from uh, employers and what keeps the employers back from these processes is the very, very long processing times these days with immigration, they all take about three years. Which I like the long process because, frankly, if you're sponsoring someone and you vet the person... Well, you're not technically sponsoring them. Well, you sponsor them only in the way that you you're are supporting them, them a jo- that you're giving them a job, whatever word you want to use. Well, sponsoring actually is like a real thing in her particular right, well, l- field. Well, l- let me finish yeah. what I'm saying, and then we can identify what word you'd like me to use. But for example, we're hosting this person to be able to work at our companies, and you vetted them. You actually are the attorney on the case, and you're letting us know what's acceptable and not acceptable. Here's the problem. They cannot work for you until three years later when they actually get approved. That's the thing I didn't know. So I'm That's the problem. That they can work while they're in transition. Well, if they have a work permit, they can. So aren't there people that They don't get it until three years later when they get approved. See, I thought you come here and if you apply, well, you, you get an attorney. You typically you have to leave. You have to, when you go through the process, you come here, mm-hmm. you have your visa, you apply and you leave. Yes? That destroys my whole... Is that correct? It depends on the visa. It depends on the visa. Like I said, there are 186 of them. Okay. So it really depends. And the biggest problem is 
which employer is going to spend 10 to 15 grand per employee in the hopes that in three years, because they have the business oh, need yeah. now. No, I understand. You yeah. have the business need now. You're going to spend hoping that you get 10 employees. I, no, no. I presumed that when they hire you, that there's some sort of temporary work card. No, nope, none. Okay. No, so that's that, the it, problem. You know what classification we use for what I was saying? There is none. <laughs> because I was wrong in thinking that they actually like no. did get something like that and they don't. So it's much easier with, you know, it depends really if getting professionals, you know, you're getting, you know, professionals. The certain countries have certain visas available only to people from that particular country, right. you know. Uh, so there are ways, but then you're cutting out such a huge portion of talent, you know, yeah. who could otherwise be able to work. Sure. It's just so everything is really individualized per person and then we get so many calls from employers it's like i found this ideal candidate and then i'm like where where are they from and how did they enter the country and how long they've been here and three questions and i'm done with them i'm like can't do it i saw the movie yesterday sound of freedom Mm -hmm. and it was very heart-wrenching and very amazing um and you know it's about uh human trafficking and with uh, minors, you know, being like, I mean, it's just, it's terrible. Yeah. And I would think that that would somehow be a blurred line in a little bit of a way with what you do. Do you ever get people wanting you to help them with some human trafficking cases or anything like that because of the immigration and everything? We, we have victims of trafficking yeah. that oh, we help. Terrible. Oh my God. It was absolutely terrible yeah we yeah. have victims of labor trafficking victims of sex trafficking unfortunately yes. victims of violence yeah. disgusting which is which leads to it is because you can't even if you want to get away you can't get away you can get away temporarily yeah right you could come to the country temporarily and then as your permit expires for whatever amount of time that they choose to give you one day or 10 years um, you have to go back and then you're back in the same situation again, which is really unfortunate because like you said, there's a lot of really great intellectual, smart, capable people that could really help this country and move it forward that we're really not able to get. And this country can attract really great people. It's hard. It's hard. You know what a lot of people I think uh, wake up in the morning and take for granted? I certainly do. Um, is being born in this country. Yeah. Just being born here. If you are Even, lucky enough to be born here and there's only, you know, a certain amount of people on the earth that have been born here. And then the other segments have not been born here, but to just be born here, I think it's like a miracle just to be born here. Absolutely. Really. Absolutely. I Look, I wasn't born here. I'm American, a citizen. Including myself, you know, completely takes that for granted. I'm a citizen I, and I wasn't born here and I will never feel what it's like to have been born here. Right. Even though I have all the rights, privileges, and all the other ones, and I will still never feel like my husband does, for example, or my daughter, right? right? I mean, like, just that's enough to get someone to spring out of their bed in the morning to be thankful. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If you really think about it, yeah, it's really unbelievable. You're really like a chosen person almost in a way to be born here, to be lucky enough to be born. You just don't have the problems that a lot of other people have either in other countries or problems of, 
what it would be like to actually be living here without the constraints of having to leave. And then we have those who are here and then they forget where they came from. Yes, that's right. So, Connie, the next thing I'd like to touch on, which I think would be very interesting, is you were an engineer mm -hmm. and then an attorney. So where did you find your entrepreneurial bug that made you want to be somebody that is ambitious ultimately for yourself and for other people and for your family? When did that really kind of strike you? Because just becoming an attorney doesn't make you an entrepreneur yet. Uh, wanting obviously to grow a company and to a larger company does, but obviously you had a long time before you actually got your law degree and then obviously you've come a long way with the team that you developed to this point. So when did it really strike you that you felt like you were an entrepreneur? Because I would say most people, you know, not knowing where you can go because you don't know if you're going to stay or to leave. You don't know how much you need to apply yourself because you might apply yourself too much and it might be taken away. So how, how does that correlate to you? Uh, it starts with survival. It starts with survival. So when I came, you have no papers. You don't have a choice. You do what you need to do to survive. So I had businesses for as long as I remember. I mean, you don't have papers. Nobody's going to employ you. So you just open a business. You have to do what you have to do. And I opened a few businesses. And then eventually when I did get my uh, work permit and I was able to legally work, I worked doing disaster recovery for IT on Wall Street. I handled 400 plus server farms and I did that for a very long time. And then I burned out and I went to law school because I said, it's going to be much easier than me working, continuing to work on Wall Street because I'm burnt out. And it was easier going to law school for me. So to me, it was going to law school was somewhat off a vacation. Don't get me wrong. It was hard. Okay. Don't get me wrong. But compared to working nonstop, it was still a vacation. I do not remember the first 10 years of my daughter's life because I was working nonstop and I still had a business on top of that. I mean, this was back when, you know, you still had beepers and, you know, all that. And I had the black car in front of, in front of my house nonstop because a server would always crash. So I did that. So I went to law school when I was my forties and, you know, I, then I opened my law firm right out of law school because when I graduated, the uh, crash 2008 happened and nobody was hiring. It's like, I have it though, you know, someone who opened up multiple businesses before you were actually able to is somebody who has a desire that can't be matched. And the thing is, is that you were able to suppress it for the greater good to go back to school, but then you were just ready to unleash it when you were done. You just do what you need to do. You do what you need to do. You have the end in mind. You pass work the backwards the from the end it. in mind. Did you pass the bar the first time you took it or did you fail? Oh, no, I passed. I took two bars. I passed Florida and New Jersey. I took both of them. And do you need the New Jersey bar now? No, I took the exam because just in case I didn't pass Florida, I was going to have New Jersey, yeah. but I passed both. And then I never signed on to the New Jersey. But yeah. You know, plan A, plan B all the time because... We have a niece who's taking it tomorrow and Wednesday, the Florida oh. bar. Oh, yes. Good luck. She's very worried. If she's of very course. Worried. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, yeah. So I did that and business. That's it. Well, what an entrepreneurial journey. And the last thing um, that I'd like to touch on is something new in Florida uh, that was signed is the e-verifying. And I wanted to get a perspective from you and from what people that you help with, how they feel about towards the process. So for the people that don't know, e-verifying is a website. You ultimately put in uh, a prospective employee's information into it, and it it gives you the information if the person is legal or not legal to be hired. Correct? More or less, yes. E-Verify has always been there. They just made it mandatory, okay? Correct. Now, let's put it this way. It's mandatory for those companies with 25 or more employees, okay? So those who have less than that, it's not mandatory for them, okay? Now, in states that this has been required for a long period of time, is it really enforced? Not really, okay? We don't know how enforced is going to be in Florida either, okay? So we just have to wait and see approach. I encourage every employer to follow the law and do what they need to do to be in compliance because as a lawyer, I can only advise you to follow the law. But it's a wait and see. It's interesting when you say that because if you are a company over 25 people and let's say you hire five more people, and you only put four through the process and you don't do the fifth one for whatever reason that you forget or don't do it or choose not to do it even, um, what is the penalty even going to be? And how would they even find out that you did said task even, you know, so it's, 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 it really is a gray area. I didn't even think about that because, so you'd have to get, especially because most people's payrolls are, are going up and down, less people, more people. There's a deadline that you didn't have to do it. So it's like, it's a very subjective thing where... Because remember, you have to declare, you have to file the new hire reports, right? And you have to do the new hire reports. You have to do the quarterly reports. You are going to report the new hires and whatever. Now, assuming you have the new hires and then how many employees you have to let go that quarter. And I'm no accountant, so I don't know what reports you need to fill out on a quarterly basis. Talk to your accountant tax person about that. Okay. At some point, the numbers won't match. Hmm. So it's really something that uh, depending when you hire or you fire, and it's really going to be something that there probably won't be anything where there's repercussions yet for maybe a year because enough time has to go by where there's enough data and enough repeated people put through the system. And then there has to be someone that blatantly disregards the system in which they can actually create case law to figure out how to punish, how to track, how to, you know. Yeah. Because right now it's it's very circumstantial and it's it's kind of try to do it. And if you don't do it, there is a penalty, you know. So it's it's very interesting. Um, have you have you got a lot of people that are concerned? about companies using e-verify no (laughs) interesting um i I think i got one one client who called one i think you're the second one who asked really uh you know hey listen it only came up for me is because it came up from some of our employees but you know you never know how the chain kind of works of if maybe it's somebody in their household is concerned it could have been somebody that is um wanting to start the process of becoming legal and they're not illegal, they're illegal right now. 
So they're concerned about getting picked up into the system. Like there's a lot of different ways, obviously, where it could be of concern to somebody. Yeah. Yeah, that's usually where it comes. And if it comes like that, stop them before they ask anything, okay? And send them to a lawyer. Well, we definitely will. And you have been very lovely to speak to about this. And I am very certain that you'll be able to help a lot more people than you already have. And I truly hope so. I think that you will. And I think that you're the right person to be doing it in the sense of somebody who's doing immigration law should really be somebody who who understands the turmoil and the process in which it takes to go through because the information can be very gut-wrenching, nerve-wracking, emotional, volatile, uh, all of the above, especially when you're giving information that doesn't have a particular execution date. It's not like everything is like, oh, they respond in this amount of time and then they do this and then they do this and then they do this. You have all the applications and the processes that they go through, but there's no timeline behind it. Correct. And it changes every day. I have uh, people that we meet with for consultations uh, and they are like, okay, so I'll talk to you in a month. I'm like, you're going to have to book a new consultations because by then the law is different. So (laughs) seriously, it's like immigration changes on a daily basis. So it's hard. That certainly keeps it interesting from a, a legal standpoint is that, you know, you constantly have to be learning and by doing that, you're constantly engaged in the in law, not just helping people. Yeah. Thank you very much. And I really appreciate all your candid answers and uh, everything that you had to say with us. It was wonderful. I really learned a lot. Thank you. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Nice meeting you both. And I'm hoping this can help. If it can help one person, then That's it right. was definitely worth it. I agree. Right. If, you could let the them, if you could let them know, Connie, how they could reach out to you and where they could find you. Uh, I'd appreciate it. We'll put it in the show notes, but if you could let them know also, that'd be great. Absolutely. So our website is my name, Connie Kaplan, lawyer.com. And our main number, it's 954-357-0957. And we are located in Fort Lauderdale, but we help immigrants everywhere make the United States their permanent home. Connie, thank you so much and have a great day. Okay. Thank you. A pleasure. Bye-bye. This has been the Cultivating Success Podcast with Jeff Sofer and Jonathan Wolfson. To learn more about Jeff and Jonathan and their businesses, visit www.naturesexperts.com.